Welcome to the Lady Preacher Podcast, a podcast for the progressive Christian, where we talk about an all-loving God, an embodied Christ, and an ever-moving spirit. Dive right in as we wrestle with what it means to live out our faith in the world. Hello, my friend. Welcome. I'm so grateful that you are here. Thank you for taking time out of your day to dive into scripture, dive into God's word. Today is International Women's Day, and we are celebrating by going back a little bit into our history and honoring women who bear the image of God in the world. So I invite you to take a deep breath. Relax your shoulders. If you're sitting down, maybe lengthen your spine. If your feet are on the ground, whether you're standing or walking or sitting, feel them plant firmly for just a moment. Feel the ground beneath you. And hear this story from Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her attendants walked beside it. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yes, So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she took him as her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Here ends our reading. If you would please say a quick prayer with me. Gracious and loving God, mother of all of us, help us to hear this story, the story of women with new ears. May it show us who you are and who we are. Open our hearts, open our minds, and fill our well today. Amen. There's a a famous choreographer, or semi-famous, I I should say. Her name is Anna Halprin, and she tells a story once about watching her grandfather pray at Shoal in the synagogue. She says he would jump up and down with great energy and joy, throwing his arms into the air as if possessed by a higher spirit. With his white hair and long white beard, he looked like God to me. So I thought, 
God must be a dancer. Anna Halpern had this image of who God is, and she saw her grandfather moving and praying and thought, God is like this. God must be a dancer. We do this all the time. We have images for who God is and how we understand God. And it's almost always through metaphor because God is really far beyond logic, far beyond reason. And so metaphor and analogy is our access point to understanding God. Throughout scripture, there are phrases like God is as a potter or God is like a shepherd God is this potter shaping the clay. It teaches us who God is and, and who we are as we are the clay that God is shaping. God, the creator, or God, the shepherd who guides the sheep, who guards the sheep, who keeps them safe and shows them the way. And we are the sheep who need that shepherd to keep them safe and to guide them. Or the God who is our rock and our fortress, God who is the light for our path on whom we depend because we need that path lit for us. We need that rock to stand on or the fortress to keep us safe. Or God who says, I have gathered your children together like a hen gathers her brood under her wings. How we speak about God is really important because it shapes our understanding of who God is and it shapes our understanding of who we are in relation to God. And throughout history, the metaphors used for God have largely been male. It didn't surprise me when I heard that story of Anna Halprin with her grandfather and his white hair and long white beard looking like God, because that's often the image that particularly white Americans have, or even Europeans, that this God of the white hair and long white beard, we think of God as a man. But what if we hear these other metaphors for God or look at these stories in scripture and scripture is one large metaphor of who God is. It's telling the story of God and this story of God and God's faithfulness and where God is throughout history, weaving throughout it. It has all these little metaphors woven through, but the one large metaphor tells us who God is. God our guide, God, our protector, God of creation, who is always co-creating, God who stands on the side of the oppressed. This is who God is in God's story. But we take it down to a smaller scale today as we read Exodus chapter two, which gives us another vision of who God is and what God is like. This is another piece of God's story. And in this story, we hear about some women, women who pave the way for Moses, who eventually frees his people from slavery, leading them out of the land of Egypt. These women are often nameless, often unrecognized, but they are a part of God's story. They teach us and show us who God is. And so as we talk about this, I invite you to ask that question. What does this story, what do these women teach us about God? 
But before we do that, let's dive into the the context of this scripture that we read from Exodus chapter two. So if we go back, maybe another chapter, Exodus one, it tells the story of the descendants of Jacob arriving in Egypt. And when they first arrived, there's maybe 70 of them, not a huge number, but also, you know, not small. And of course, as people do, they have babies and they multiply. And as they are multiplying, it makes those in power a little nervous, right? There's these Hebrew people, they're strangers in this land, and they are growing in population, which means for Pharaoh that he's going to get a little bit nervous about what political or military threat they might have upon him. This this growing Israelite population, what would that mean for Pharaoh or for the Egyptians if they grew too large? What if they wanted a seat at the table of power? What would that mean? And so Pharaoh doesn't want to share power, so he decides to squash these people. And he comes up with kind of a four-step plan. The first step that he decides is to impose forced labor. He essentially enslaves the Hebrew people, but that doesn't stop them from having babies. They keep having babies. And so Pharaoh decides he's going to harshen the environment for them. So they're already in forced labor and he just makes it worse, harsher treatment, uh, harsher environment, but that still doesn't stop them. That still doesn't stop them. And so Pharaoh, he goes and orders two midwives. Their names are Shifra and Pua. And he orders these midwives to kill Hebrew babies, the baby boys. And that still doesn't work. And and we'll talk about that in a moment. But the fourth part of Pharaoh's plan is he instructs Egyptians to throw every boy born to Hebrews into the Nile. It is horrific. It is tragic. We tend to to kind of gloss over these parts of the stories. And so I just want to pause for a moment and name how awful and horrendous this was. Pharaoh is threatened by these baby boys, but it is the women who perhaps he should have feared. Let's go back for a moment to the, the two midwives. Shifra and Pua, they are ordered to not let the Hebrew babies live that they help deliver. But they don't do that. They defy Pharaoh's order because they believe that their call is from God, not from Pharaoh. And so they let these children live. And when they're called in to question about it, They, I love this response. (laughs) They say, well, the Hebrew women, you know, they're so strong that they have the babies before we can even get there. So it's not our fault. It's just these strong Hebrew women are given birth before we arrive. And so the story continues. They are saving these babies lives. And now we get to the story of the Levite woman who bore a son. And when she saw this baby, that love overwhelmed her and she hid him for three months and then puts him in a basket when she can no longer hide him and sends him down the river. And his sister follows this basket down the river to see what might happen to accompany him through the twists and the turns 
And then Pharaoh's daughter just happens to be bathing in the river and she hears this baby crying in the basket and opens it and takes pity on this child. She is moved with compassion by this child, even when she says this must be one of the Hebrews children. She knows the risk of this. Her father is the one who put in this order to kill all of these babies. And yet she pulls him out of the river and takes this child as her own to raise him as her son. And Moses' sister, when she sees Pharaoh's daughter pull her brother out of the basket, says, would you like me to go and get a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse this child? And Pharaoh's daughter says, yes. So Moses' sister goes and gets her mom and says, come, come. And the woman takes the child and nurses it. And as it grows up, she gets to watch. And I imagine that most both be heartbreaking. But she also must be full of gratitude that he is alive. Heartbreaking to see another person raise your child, but perhaps heartwarming to at least know you saved his life. That because of you, he is here. And so, my friends, what can these women in this story teach us about God? As I talked about this story with some of my colleagues this past week, a friend of mine, her name is Delaney. She actually interviewed me a few weeks ago, but she said she would want to hear God is like these women. God is like Pharaoh's daughter. Because God hears our cries and comes to us. God hears and sees our pain and seeks to journey with us, to rescue us, to walk beside us, to raise us as God's own children. God is like Pharaoh's daughter who hears our cries and comes to our aid. God is like Moses's sister who we later find out is named Miriam. God is like Miriam, who follows us down the rivers of our lives, through the twists and the turns, just to see what happens and ensure that we are cared for, to ensure that we arrive safely to wherever we are going. But God is also like Moses' sister in that God connects us to people who can help us people who can take care of us and nourish us, even the people we least expect. Because think of who Pharaoh's daughter is in this story. It is her father who put out this order, and yet she is the one saving this child. That must take great risk for her. She would probably be the last one you would expect to pick up this child and raise it as her own. And yet she does. And Moses' sister makes that connection to her and then Moses' mother. And so God is like Miriam, connecting us to resources, to helping take care of us, to connecting us even to people we would least expect to help care for us along the way. God is also like Moses' mother, who saves us and seeks our well-being always, who sends us out into the world, down the Nile, 
and yet still finds a way to help and nourish us. Who watches us be raised by our human families, given or chosen, and yet accompanies us, nourishing us along the way. God is like Pharaoh's daughter, Moses' sister, and Moses' mother. These women bear the image of God in the world. They teach us what God is like. God who stands on the side of the oppressed. God who takes down the wealthy from their thrones, the powerful from their thrones, and lifts up the lowly. If you recognize that, that comes from Mary's Magnificat. This is who God is. This is the large metaphor for God, who God is and who we are in relation to God. God is with us on our behalf, seeking the well-being of the lowly standing on the side of the oppressed, guiding us through the twists and turns of our lives, finding ways to carry us and care for us. This is who God is. And these women, these women who serve behind the scenes, maybe there's some in your life who do the thankless work, who are often not named or often not recognized. Just think of this story of Moses. How much attention have we paid to the women in the story who make it possible for Moses to eventually leave his people out of slavery? Because without them, without their courage and their bravery, he would not have eventually led his people out of slavery. And so we give thanks for these women who make so much possible, who may not be the person in front or at the center, who may not even be named or recognized, but who make it possible. And maybe that's what God is like too. God is working in the background. God, maybe who is not noticed or who is not named, but who makes it all possible who leads us and guides us, who sends us out, but also makes sure we're cared for, who whispers guidance into our ears, who hears our cries and comes to us, who works behind the scenes on our behalf and does all of this without asking for anything in return, who loves us. God in the world, mother of us all. These women bear this image of God in the world, and so do we. We are blessed, each and every one of us, to bear the image of God in the world, to be a part of the body of Christ as it lives and breathes in the world. What a gift. What a responsibility that God has trusted us with being God's image in the world. Today and every day, I pray that you give thanks, especially for the women in your life who have borne the image of God to you, who have birthed love into the world and into your life. Thanks be to God for the mothers. Thanks be to God, the mother of us all. Amen. My friend, thank you so much for joining us today. 
I am so grateful for you. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. The Lady Preacher podcast is part of a nonprofit called Dancing Pastor Ministries. And you can find us online at dancingpastor.org or join the community by finding us on Facebook at Dancing Pastor Ministries. If you would like to be a part of supporting this podcast, there are many ways you can do that without giving monetarily. You can share our posts on social media, send an episode to a friend, or just leave a review. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so at dancingpastor.org slash give. My friend, you are a gift. Thank you for being here and God bless.